Welcome, everybody, to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. I'm here with Chuck P., the producer of the Jada Cody Show in the afternoon it's on me. Talk 107.3, 4 to 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Am I right? That is it, 4 to 6 p.m., Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday. They've significantly reached the three-digit numbers recently. You're all at 130-something, I think. Uh, Episode-wise? Yeah. Or, uh, no, we're, I think we're 161, 161. tomorrow, maybe. Oh, jeez. That might be right. Okay. Yeah, it's it's Jay's thing to keep. He wants to keep track, keep keep track of every episode. Right. Which is cool. And then we were I, we were talking last week, and I said, when do we get to the point where it's like volume one is ended? We start volume two. Right. And he said, what about we just do seasons like a TV show? Yeah, and that's I do that with the um. With the podcast, it's, yeah. Okay, season one was you know 2019. Mm-hmm. Season two is 2020, and so each year I'm going to say, hey, 2021, we're coming on season three. Yeah, you know, and just keeping that keeping that rolling each year to year for every season, as opposed to oh, I'm an episode. I'm mean, still be like episode 30, but it's you know for like iTunes, for example, it'll mm-hmm. be like episode season two, episode 22, or whatnot. Exactly. But on the actual podcast website, it's episode 30-something, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And so it kind of keeps rolling from there. It's a, it's a good way to do that, especially for Apple Podcasts and stuff like that. Hey. <laughs> Cameras. <laughs> get them shots. That's it. That's, uh, that's what you get with a, a per, full I know, production dude, quality. I'm, I feel just like out of my league here with all these cameras and there's lighting, this whole... The atmosphere that we're at, 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 you know, here is awesome. I love this. I, I can move in and just, like, live right there in the corner, if you don't mind. You can. Come on. We'll, yeah. we'll hang a hammock. We'll, I'll pay we'll some get rent, you in here. Cool. Hey, that works for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Chuck, you do, you're most, I guess you're mostly known for producing the Jada Cody show, or am I, am I wrong? Or may, do I, I just know you mostly from there? Uh, no, I mean, that's how a lot of people know me is from my, um, my connections with Jay. I've been doing stuff with Jay since about 2000, maybe 11, 2012. Okay. Uh, I, I played music in many many bands here in Baton Rouge over the years. Uh, played with this band, the Allison Collins Band, way back in the mid-90s from at the Catery. Okay. That was over on Perkins and Acadian. We played there for seven years. I uh, um Played with uh, the Antiques. That's my most recent band. I played with those guys for about six years, and uh, been playing with this band Hip Deep for about a year or so until all this madness happened and lost all our gigs. But yeah, a lot of people know me specifically just from hanging out with Jay and just being involved with his radio show and uh, just meeting people through there. A lot of the restaurant people, a lot of the beer people that I know, it's, it's definitely through Jay and his connections. Mm-hmm. So how do you, what is the music scene like in Baton Rouge as far as like from a band member's perspective? Uh, right now, dead. Uh, <laughs> Pre-COVID, uh, pre-COVID, yeah, what were we I looking mean, at? We live, we live in a, we live in a, uh, a cover, cover band town. Right. Uh, which is good and bad. I mean, it's good for me. I, there was a long period of time where all I did was play cover music. I didn't have a day job and I was playing four nights a week, five nights a week. And it's great. It's fun. You play, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a band where you can play the music you want to play and people still enjoy that, uh, which was why the Antiques are such a, such a successful band because we played the music we wanted to play. And it's not like we made the crowd adapt to us, but we just played songs that they knew that they didn't hear all the time from every other band. Like we weren't right. playing Brown Eyed Girl and all the generic stuff that everybody else plays. Um, unfortunately for original music, it's tough. And it's always been tough here. 
uh, you have people that will come out to a, to a show and say, hey, play something you wrote. And you play it, and they're like, all right, cool, play Skinner. <laughs> like, they yeah, play something else we can all sing along to. Yeah, and it sucks because there's, there's so many great local bands here that are putting out really good original music. Right. Uh, two off the top of my head that I'm good friends with, Dalton Wayne and the Warmadillos, the, the Hitchhiker, Luis Mariani, and all those guys. Uh, putting out great stuff. Chemical City Rebels, another uh, great band. They're out of Gonzales. They're putting out really cool music. Uh, but... Especially now, there's no place for anybody to play. Yeah. And it's tough to find a venue that caters to that to where you can get the support for people to go out and give the local bands their due. Cover bands, we're just all over the place. I mean, everywhere you go, casinos, Superior Grill, what have you, there's a cover band there. And I don't want to say people don't support cover bands because they do. I mean, we have, we, the Antiques have a huge following. I had a, I mean, when I played with Allison Collins every Thursday night at the Catering back in the 90s, we would pack. 500, 600 people in on a Thursday night. Oh, jeez. Like, consistently for like a year we did that, and it was just insane. Because, I mean, people still want to come out and sing songs that they know. They want to have right. a good time with all their friends. Original music's Live a little music bit... Live music sells. Yeah, yeah. Original music's a little bit tougher because if they don't know it and they don't recognize the band... And I've been to other cities where cover bands aren't as successful and don't make any money, and the original bands are what people go out to see. Yeah. So, it's a... Not damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, but I look at it as it, whether you play in an original band or you play in a cover band, if you're enjoying what you're doing and you're having fun and you're creating music with your friends and you're having a great time, that's all that matters, really. Yeah, and that's the thing about music and even entrepreneurship or running any doing anything in life is doing it because you enjoy it, yes. not because you have to, especially with playing music. I mean, if you're not enjoying it and you're not able to do this and that with your band, why are you in the band? Yeah, if you feel like you're sitting behind a cubicle... If I'm yeah. sitting behind my drums and I'm doing something wrong and I need to get out of there real quick. You feel like you're in a cubicle behind a set of drums? Yeah. Something went wrong way, way before yeah. you got on the stage. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say I've never had a cubicle job. Right. I'm, I'm kind of keeping it that way. Okay. <laughs> I've been lucky. I've been pretty yeah. lucky. So, I mean, when you think of music, everybody thinks of like Nashville. Yeah. Or they think, you know, the music town, where you go to make it big. What, what do you think it would take to make something like that happen in Baton Rouge? Support, support for the local artist, people getting out there, people buying their CDs or going to a, you know Bandcamp or SoundCloud or wherever they put it and buy it, go to shows, buy merchandise, just support those bands, support those support those bands as if you were like you were in love with Dave Matthews and you were traveling all over the country to see Dave Matthews right. shows. Like, put that effort into a local band. That's. And, and it's such a – Baton Rouge has never been known – never been like the music scene. New Orleans is always going to overshadow Baton Rouge when it comes to that. And now even Lafayette. Lafayette's putting out some really good bands as well. Forming the Voids, one of my favorite bands out of Lafayette. Really good band. Uh, and Nashville is always going to be the spot that people – specifically in the last 15 years, 20 years or so, Nashville has just been a hot spot for everybody yeah. to go to and make it big. More so than like – going to L.A. or going to New York. You know, Atlanta was right. like that for a while. I was out in Atlanta for a little bit playing with some friends and seeing how that scene was going. And it was like you walked into the into the local record store and their local section was Outkast and Black Crows and R.E.M. and stuff like that. I'm going. This is not our local this section. Is definitely not. I'm not in Baton Rouge anymore. Right. So, yeah, it just, it's just, it just takes people to, to go out and, su and support that local band and – Again, it's just tough. People want to go out on a weekend. They want to party. They want to drink. They want to sing along with the band. If they can't, they're not going to do it. Yeah, and that's 
that that's the toughest part, and I guess that's why cover bands are so successful. It's yeah. because they're playing something that everybody's familiar with. But I think it's it's kind of like when I go to a live show with somebody, I want to hear you know maybe one or two of their originals. Yeah. That can eventually say, hey, you know, I recognize this tune by now. But it's almost we have like you know a couple of lo- local radio stations here, so maybe even talking to those as a local band saying, hey, we have a, we have a couple of originals. What's it going to take to get airspace? Exactly. Uh, James Gilmore, who is on 100.7 The Tiger, has uh, has a, a local show that he does, and I'm going to probably butcher the name, James, if you're watching. I'm sorry. I think it's Raised in Tiger Country, mm-hmm. and it's an hour show that plays local country acts that are here in, in Louisiana and Baton Rouge. Uh, I actually asked about doing that when I, when I was on Eagle, I had a show called The Night's Watch. I was doing that for yeah. a while from 7 to midnight on Eagle. I still do it on Saturday nights. I've recently stepped away from it because Jay's show is just demanding more time. Like, I'm the producer. I'm, I'm the co-host. There's other things I'm doing in the background while the show is going on. So it just demanded more of my attention. They have me on Brian Haldane's uh, Breaking Point show from 11 to 1 now, so I'm doing that too. So I had to step away from Eagle. But one of the things I did bring up uh, – when I first started, was wanting to do an either on a Tuesday or Wednesday night or even on a Sunday, just one hour to showcase local music here in Baton Rouge. Right. Because I know enough people that want to support them, and there's a lot of those bands that a lot of people don't know in Baton Rouge because there's not a lot of venues here to showcase them besides you know getting a show at the Varsity, hoping if a big act comes into town and they need some support, you can get on that bill and people see you. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of the local bars are going to book a complete local show. It's going to be tough. Brickyard South will be would be a place to do that if they were open right now. Phil Brady's has done that over the last couple of years. They've booked some original shows there, so that's a place that normally they all had cover. They only had cover bands there, and they started opening up and doing uh, original shows. So that's another thing. Lo- some of the local establishments need to have a night and support local music, and have a night for local bands to get out there and showcase themselves. Yeah, they're getting. Using local to support local. Exactly. That's the key. I love it. So you said you've never had a cubicle job, and I want to want to go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. Okay. Let's. I want to go back to probably. Let's. I was in, born in 1972. It was a cold Monday. I don't know. <laughs> 72 is correct. That's okay. Right. Okay. But maybe not, maybe not a cold Monday. Uh, I think it was like a Wednesday, maybe. I don't oh, know. Cold What's Wednesday. Sure? All right. So we'll roll from there. All right. So you're you're just newborn. Okay. So you yes. go home. First, there was darkness. <laughs> okay, but no, like. What are some of your, your earliest memories? Because not, not having a cubicle job is a route that not everybody's going to take. Yeah. A lot of people are going to, or the, your normal people, I say normal, the average Joe mm-hmm. is going to go through their schooling, go through their high schooling, go through their college, and then get a job. may not be in, you know, directly in a cubicle, yeah. but it's going to be working for somebody else full-time, and that's their only gig. They're going to show up to their nine, they're going to leave at their five, yeah. they're going to go home, and that's, that's their job. You know, until whatever happens in our life that's going to make that change. Can you think back to a moment in time that was that point where you're like, you know, I don't want to do that? Well, I grew up um, in Plaquemine, which is 20 minutes over the bridge right yep. here. And pretty much everyone in Plaquemine worked at Dow Chemical. Mm-hmm. Like their parents worked at Dow Chemical, their grandparents right. worked at Dow Chemical. And I started seeing as I was getting older – the path seemed to be you went through school, you married your high school sweetheart, your family member got you a job in the plant, 
You worked there for a few years, ended up getting divorced with three kids, having to pay child support and alimony to an ex-wife, being a miserable drunk, hanging out at the local bar after your nine-to-five shift at the plant. And I saw a lot of people do that, and I had a few friends that went that path, and I just said to myself, that is never going to be me. Mm-hmm. No way. So, I mean, of course, being a music, being in love with music as a kid and learning to play drums and stuff, I wanted to be a musician. I want yeah. to, I want to play music for the rest of my life. Obviously, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I, I thought I could, but I, you know, you have to get a day job. So, I think my first real job was, um, I was working security and uh, maintenance at this hospital in Plaquemine. Okay. Did that for about a year or so, and then actually got to the and, and then started working at a video store. Uh, was, was managing a video store, and got the opportunity to go try out for this band, which ended up being Allison Collins' band. And literally for the first four and a half years playing with them, I didn't have a job. All all I did was play music. So you just like your your every day was playing music. Four days a week playing music. Where did well, you play? Back then, I mean, this was 95, 96. Yeah. So the Catery, which was on Perkins Acadian, was the big spot. We played there every Thursday. Okay. Um, Cadillac Cafe was the place we played at. There was a uh, place called Jack Kelly's that we played every Wednesday there for a while. Uh, we used to play a lot in Lafayette. We played out in New Orleans. There was a lot of places we would just travel around and, get, and go play. Uh, but then after a while, I got bored doing that. And I was like, I want something to do during the day. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I can only I can only play these night shows for so long. Yeah, and I met a guy uh, that worked at Blockbuster Video. Okay, and well, Blockbuster, we're taking it. Yeah, we're taking, taking it way it back. back. And he was like, "Dude, I can give you a couple hours a day at work. Obviously, you play a gig. You won't have to work any nights or weekends." And I'm mm-hmm. like, "All right, cool." So I started doing that like three three days a week just for fun. And then I got bored with that and decided <laughs> I want to go back to playing music and. Did that until about 2004. Okay. And uh, around 2003, I had my son, which really made me step up and be like, all right, I have to get a job. I can't be a, a, a musician right, full time. So started working at PreSonus here in Baton Rouge. Uh, worked there for three years and then got a warehouse job for about eight years. Okay. And during that time is where I started hearing about this thing called a podcast. And I'm like, right. what's a podcast? Like, now what, what now we're this? up to like the 2010 this, era. This is about 2009, 2010. Okay. Uh, I had some friends that were trying to put together a podcast, and they couldn't figure out what they wanted to do. They spent a year, literally, trying to Jeez. figure out what their concept was going to be, what they were going to talk about, what kind of guest. And they kept saying, we want you involved, we want you involved. So I waited around, and finally I went, you know what, screw this. Yeah. Picked up my phone, turned on the voice memo, and talked for 35 minutes. Same. I I did the same. Mine was five. I wasn't bold enough to go for thirty-five. <laughs> I did five minutes, but the same same thing with this. Yeah. So did that, and then one of the guys who I was waiting on, he heard it, and he's like, "What did you do?" I'm like, "I put my phone on the coffee table and started talking <laughs> about what." I'm like, "Well, listen to it and find out." So he heard it, and he was like, "All right, cool, let's do it." So then we got two other guys involved. That's how the me and my big mouth podcast started. We got onto iTunes and. Put it up on there. We did like 125 episodes. Oh, gosh. Uh, and then I got married. 
So there with the podcast. <laughs> uh, it's, just, a del- it's a delicate balance. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did yeah, 2012? I got married. So the podcast, it kept going, but it it kind of lost some of the momentum. Uh, and then that faded for a bit, and then started working for Tin Roof, and then eventually met up with Jay. Okay. And Jay had his, and he still does have his Bite and Booze radio show that's on Talk every Saturday, and. I told him, I was like, look, I know you do that in the studio once a week. If you ever need to go to a restaurant or a bar or whatever, right. I'll come and record it. We're using my gear. So he's like, great, that'd be awesome. So we started doing that more, and I slowly started becoming a co-host with him. Mm-hmm. So that happened, and uh, stopped working for Tin Roof, started working for him doing sales and marketing for his product line, and got uh, offered a part-time position at Talk for their old morning show with uh, Bill Perfita and Kevin Gallagher. Okay. So did that for about, I guess, six or seven months. And my position with Jay had gotten to the point where I couldn't really do much else with the product line, like, unless he got with a big distributor or something. Like, I can't go win Dixie and tell him, hey, you need to put this barbecue sauce on your shelf. Right. So I told him, I was like, look, I'm, I'm going to have to quit. It's going back to warehouse work. Didn't want to go back to warehouse work, but money was Kid, good. I had, wife. Yeah. I, got, at this got time, stuff to do. At this time, I've, I just had a little girl, and I'm also in the middle of a divorce. So right. factors everywhere. <laughs> uh, money needs to happen. Money needs to happen. So do, so go back to warehouse work, and at that point, Jay tells me that Guarantee Media is looking to buy his brand, buy Government Taco, buy Bite and Booze and all that stuff, and offered him a for an afternoon drive radio show. And he... When they asked him about that, he brought up my name and said, I want Chuck P to be a part of that. How can we make that happen? So it took a little while trying to figure things out and ended up where Dan Day, who was on uh, Eagle doing yeah. Day at Night, right. was moving to Florida. So they needed someone to take his place. It was like, all right, we'll put you with, with Jay producing, co-hosting, but we're also going to put you over here on Eagle to do nights. And I'm like, cool, let's do it. So that's uh that's pretty much where we are right now in the in the journey of Chuck P. <laughs> there's other there's a lot of other stuff I could have put in there, but nobody wants to hear it. Oh, I think they do. Ah, uh, well. <laughs> oh, they've heard it and they're like, God, here he goes again with yeah. that story. There's there's another there's another tangent. Yeah, here he goes talking about Bourbon Street again. Yeah. Oh, geez, Bourbon Street, man. Um, yeah. Right. So so you helped Chet Jay explore the the mobile podcasting world that it is. Yeah, and it got to the point where. Jay wasn't even doing his show in studio anymore. It was just easier to do it out of studio because when he was doing it in studio, he had to be in there every Wednesday from like 1 to 3 was his his block. Right. And as Jay kept putting out more products and more things were happening, Food Network stuff and all that, his time was just getting to the point where he couldn't do it. So it was right. easier for us to schedule stuff to go to a bar, restaurant, or store and just record it and then send it to the radio station and have them – do whatever they need to do to get it on the air. Yeah. And now we've got the, the Burger Smith uh, gauntlet. Yeah. That's going to happen. Yeah. Look, uh, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. <laughs> I was very happy when we when he got Burger Smith on as a sponsor. I love Burger Smith. It's one of the – when we go there, they they look forward to see what kind of concoctions Jay and I are going to come up with for burgers. And it's the, – the more that it looks like it's going to kill you with one bite, the better, in my opinion. I want to put as much unhealthy things on a burger that I – Possibly can. I think the first one I did there with Jay was uh, it was a, a brisket patty with 
chili, cheese, bacon, a fried egg, and the buns were grilled cheese sandwiches. Wait, like like sandwiches? Like yes, but you have to get you can't get like the adult grilled cheese sandwiches at Burger King. Okay. I mean Burger King, Burger Smith. <laughs> Sorry, uh, name drop. Yeah, because they're too big, so you have to get the children's grilled cheese sandwiches. Okay, and use those as buns. Gotcha. That just sounds great, doesn't it? That sounds delicious. It, it was delicious, and, and also it, like it went down very smooth. Oh yeah, well, yeah, went out went, went out even smoother. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah. I, I like I like to do crazy things with food, and I get yelled at about it all the time because it's like it's unhealthy, and I shouldn't be doing that. And I'm getting up in age, and you know I've got two kids, so I should be worried about them. And I right. I do. It's not like I'm right. I'm not putting junk in my body all the time. Yeah, I do, and I'm not trying to hide that. All right. you have to do is look at me for Christ's sake. You know I'm not eating as healthy as I should be. But it's South Louisiana. It is South Louisiana where we fry everything. We'd fry this right. rug and eat it if we could. Probably, I'm sure somebody has. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past anyone if they if they've done it for sure. Right, and it's so in the Louisiana culture. I mean, food is such a big part that it's 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 surprising to me how many and how not how easily it is, but how many people can make a career out of food. Yeah, in Louisiana, you know, you got Jay as, as a prime example of that. You know, selling selling his product line and doing the Biden Boo Show. And just talking about food and drinks is something that Louisiana culture just jumps on. Yeah, I mean, Jay started his, his the, the Bite and Booze blog basically because he was he was sitting in a cubicle, bored with his job, and just wanted to have some fun, and was writing about what he was eating for lunch. Yeah, and turned into what it is now. I mean, he's not a trained chef. He's everything he's learned he's learned on his own, uh, but Jay is 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 very motivating. He's very hardworking and. That's why his brand is as big as it is today. It's not because he sat there and and got lucky with stuff. He worked hard at it. Now, you know, he gets lucky breaks from time to time, yeah. but, he, I mean, he worked hard to get where he is. And uh, I'm just I'm happy that uh, I'm able to be a small part of that, right. you know, and be able to just, like, we're best friends. Like, it's good that like, I get to go to work every day and I get to see my best friend. Yeah. You know, who doesn't love that? Yeah, I mean it's great, and and it's so weird. Like, I don't think Jay and I've ever had like a big argument or a disagreement or a fight. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we'll we'll kind of we might snap at each other over a certain thing from time to time, but I mean, most of all, we we have a pretty solid relationship. So. Yeah, and that's I mean that's what best friends you're gonna do. You're gonna yeah. have snaps. You're gonna have snafus. But at the end of the day, you're gonna be like, hey man, sorry. You yeah, know. I'm I'm not sick of him yet, so. It's- Getting there, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my head starting to. No, I'm just <laughs> so, but you also you're still doing your music gig, and yeah. how has that shifted during these times? Like going from you were able to perform at live events, live venues, yeah. and you're able to pack the house. Now you can't do that. How have y'all? Because I've seen y'all play a couple shows on Facebook, and y'all streamed a couple shows. Yeah. How has that kind of shifted? And is it is it still working? Uh, it worked great when everyone wasn't doing it every day yeah like when it was a new thing and people were deciding hey we're just going to get on facebook and we'll stream something this weekend and we'll put up a paypal link and if you want to send us some money that's fine yeah uh and the first time i did it we got together with a couple friends it was fantastic we got great tips and i was like oh this is awesome and then like two weeks later we did it again and the i think the first time we did it, we had at one point 195, almost 200 people watching us. Oh, geez. Two weeks later, it was like 24. 
Yeah. And the tips weren't where they were. And it, there's so many people out there that are doing that that were doing it three to four times a day, or just doing it every day, and it just I think it just kind of wore people out. And then the the extra income that people had at the beginning of all this started going away. Right. If they weren't working, so now they don't have that extra income to throw tips out and stuff, uh, which sucks. I mean, I'd, I'd love it to still be working and have all my friends get on there and play and you know make a little money yeah just to help out but honestly and I was thinking about this the other day and it it, it scared me it weird it weirded me out I actually thought to myself you know what if if I don't play another show this year I'm fine with that really like like another live show like another live show like you know I'm, like with people in the audience not on like Facebook but like a legit live like a legit show. on like if I don't have another show where I'm like at I go to the LaBerge and play yeah. Edge Bar. If I don't get called for another show, I'm I'm okay. Really? I don't I don't know if it's just me getting older and like the the problem I've always had is I'm horrible with money. Like I just I, <laughs> I blow money on anything and everything. Like I'll be I'm the guy at the bar with my friends. Say, hey, let's go get a round of shots. Yeah. On me, let's go. on me the whole bar. Knowing I've got the house note to pay, the car note, and all that stuff. I'm terrible with money. Uh, but. I've gotten to a point right now where it's the first time where I haven't needed to rely on music to help pay those bills. Like, I can pay my bills, but it's going to be closed, but I need these three gigs coming up, or I don't know what I'm going to do. So these last few months of not playing and still being able to pay bills and being comfortable and not worrying about, like, I've got groceries at home. I don't know, man. It's kind of nice. Like, I like. I don't want it to get to the point where I'm looking at my weekend gig as it's, it's a job. Yeah. Like, well, and that's that's that when you lose a lot of, of the fun. Yes, yeah. exactly. It, 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 it doesn't take away from the people I'm playing with because I love playing with those people, but I also don't want to be the guy that looks like he's miserable while he's there and I'm right. only there for the money. I want to be there because I enjoy playing music. So I don't know. It kind of freaked me out when that it just hit me. Like I was staring at my drum set and I was, I was like, man, it's a Saturday. I'm going to set up my drums. I'm just going to play for a few hours. And I didn't do it. Like, I just literally looked at them for 10 minutes going, I could sell these things right now and not even be mad about it. There's the house note. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there's my there's my cable bill. There's my car note. There's right. Whatever. So, I don't know, man. I say that now, but then you might find me tomorrow, and I'm just like, bro, I can't wait to get out there and play a gig. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm My brain is... When it's th- this <laughs> this time in particular is having a massive effect on people... And their their thoughts not only on their job and their family, but their purpose that they've given to their life. Yeah. And you've got you you have a situation in your life now that has shut down everything. We're 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 starting to get back open now. Yeah. And probably by the time this podcast airs, we're gonna be even more open. But at the same time, we've been shut down for two months. We haven't been able to go anywhere, do anything that we've normally been able to do, and it's changed people's perception. Yes. People are, you know, really evaluating and reevaluating what is truly important to them and making cuts. That is stuff that's just time-wasting, time-filling, or something that was, you know, I needed that then, but now that I've had this alone time with myself to really reflect, I don't, I don't need that. That was like an escape or something, but now I've had two months of escape yeah. from reality. <laughs> now I'm ready to get back to work. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, the big, the big thing you saw from a lot of people 
was a lot of families reconnecting and bonding during all this. Absolutely. When they didn't have time to do that before because they were working so much and like now they're they're spending more time with their kids and doing stuff like that. And that was another thing that kind of affected me. When my son was younger, I was playing a lot. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot that I missed out on him growing up. Not saying I was an absentee father. I was there, but he was living with his mother in Alexandria, so I wouldn't see him all the time. So, you know, I'm seeing cool things when he's with me on that weekend, but during right. the week his mother is witnessing all these other little firsts that I don't get to be a part of. And so now that, that, that he's 16 and him and I have talked and he realizes a lot of that was at that time was like, it's not that I didn't want to come get you this this weekend. Yeah. Is that I had to play so I could have the money to come get you the next weekend. Right. And he's understood some of those sacrifices, and, and you know, we I think that's made us a lot closer. But the same thing's happening again now with my five year old daughter, where it was like I was playing a good bit when she was born. I and now that me and her mother are divorced, and she's with her, I don't see a lot of her first. I'm seeing them through pictures that she'll send me or stuff like that. Right. So with having all these weekends off during this because we're not playing and I'm trying to focus more time on having her at my house with me, it's making me see like as much as I love music, I'd rather be there for her and and watch her grow like I couldn't watch my son grow. Yeah. And have those weekends open for both of them because I love having both of them at, at the house with me. They drive each other and me crazy, but <laughs> that's what kids are for. Yeah, that's exactly what kids are for. So I mean, like he's gonna be a senior coming up, and it like blows my Gosh. mind. Like, he's about to be a senior, and he's ready to go to college and you know start his life and get things right. going. And my five year old's getting bigger and sassier every day. So I, that's, I, I like I said, if if I. If I have a choice of going play music or or having them at the house, I think I'd rather just miss out on playing music and have them here with me. Yeah, and that's that that's something I'm seeing is starting to become so common with this whole COVID situation. Yeah. Is I'll I'll go for my evening run with my wife, and sure enough, we'll see like 30 families on yeah, the dude. streets. They're walking and they're riding their bikes. They're doing this. They're doing that. And before, I I'd be lucky to see like you know 10 cars. Dude, you know it's just it's a ghost town because everybody's running, everybody's doing so many different things during the day that when they get home they're just exhausted. Yeah, and they don't want to do anything. Well, now that people are forced to stay home or forced to work less hours, we find we have more energy to do things that really are important to us. Yeah, and it's finding out that oh, spending time with family is is very important. It's a very important concept. It's a very important thing that we should be doing because, like you said, if you're not, you're going to miss out on the firsts. Exactly, you're going to become aware of the first through other means yeah but you're really going to miss out on actually there yeah you just have to make sure like when they're with you 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 create your first with them yes you know you find things like my son is he's he's huge into star wars that was like that was my thing growing up i got him into star wars he loves all the marvel movies and stuff and our our my thing i love going to the movies i'll Mm -hmm. go to the movies at the drop of a hat i go by myself i don't care i just love going to the movies and I got to take him to his first movie and watch him witness, like we went to see Cars. It was the first movie I brought him to. Yeah. And watch him witness that and like when the lights came on and all the colors, it was incredible. I'm getting a little, mm-hmm. little misty eye <laughs> thinking about it right now. Uh, but our big thing has always been the Marvel movies. Like when he was old, when I was, he was old enough to bring him to the movies, I think maybe 
the second Thor or something like that was where we started with him going to all these Marvel movies. So that was our journey. And when we, for these last two, Infinity War and Endgame, literally at, at the end of Endgame, him and I are both in the theater crying watching the end of this movie. Like at the end of Infinity War, we walked out and didn't say anything to each other all the way home because we were in shock at what we just saw. Right. And then we're seeing like everything happen at the end of Endgame, and I just kind of glanced at him and I saw him tear up, and I'm just like, "Man, that you can make, man, you can make connections me tear. there." Yeah. It was just like it was it was that moment. Like we had this special moment. We bonded through these movies, and here we are at the end of 22 films, and we're both getting choked up over imaginary characters and it was just it was just a it was a it's a it's a good feeling and i get we, we watch it even at home and i still get choked up watching it with yeah. him and I, he I makes fun that. of me now and i just laughs at <laughs> dad why are you crying come just on suck dad. It up, dad yeah come on. come on do something yeah um like, so climbing climbing out of the the teary the teary eyes of yeah. endgame <laughs> great great film oh so good um great just whole great series yeah but Going back to the producing job, what is what is that like producing a radio show? I mean, I know that when I was pre-Carl, um, when I was producing <laughs> everything myself, it, for me it was a much lower buck, just budget setup. But, I mean, yeah. you're, at a, you're at a radio station. You've got you know boards in front of you. You've got so many different things happening. I know I've seen you all on the, on the morning shows and the evening shows. They're all like, okay, we have six mouses and we have 12 screens. Yeah. You know, how, do you, how are you able to make all that work? And, you know, what, what is it like? Yeah, I'm, I'm still figuring all that out. Uh, <laughs> It's 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 not. I don't want to say it's a challenge. It's fun. I like doing it because even though we're doing a lot of the same things every day, it's still different. Right. Like there's a routine for 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 most of it. Like there's certain certain buttons that have to be pushed to make sure the audio is going out over Facebook to make sure they can hear it. There's buttons I need to make sure that no audio or music is going out over Facebook, or they're going to pull the video. We have to start over again. Uh, we have different segments, so we have different bump music, so I have to have all that lined up right. to make sure we're doing that. Then I'm also, I've got Spotify open. I'm trying to figure out what songs I want to come back from commercial. Uh, and then if Jay is talking to someone that we want to take that segment posted on the talk Facebook page, I've got to bring up this other thing and pull that if I'm not a part of the conversation because it's harder to do that, so i got to pull that, get all the markers Transfer it to a file. Get on the talk fake or talk uh, website page. Type in all the info. Put the file in there. Find a picture of the the guy or girl, whoever we're talking to. Throw it down on there. Post it. Get ready to signal off. We got CBS News in, in a minute, so I got to count Jay down for that because we got to be a hard out at eight right. after for CBS News. We got to hit that on time. We have a new operating system at work that right now it's having you know they told us we'd have some some bugs with it for a little bit and you know. The other day, I think Tiger Country was airing on Eagle, and then Eagle was airing on Talk <laughs> at one point. So it was like we didn't know, and like everything shut down, and it's ten to four, and we didn't know if we were going to be able to start the radio show. Right. So it's a lot of things that that go on with it, and then you know sometimes people, you get crazy phone calls in the middle of a segment that people just want to tell you, well, this is what I think about such and such. I'm like, sir, if you want to get on the radio, I can put you on. I don't have time to talk. Wait, don't hang up. Don't hang up. And I'm, you have to hang up on those people. Yeah. Or you have to call the guests and get them lined up. Sometimes they don't answer their phone. You got to call them a few times. The commercials coming to an end. Yeah. So it's just, it, there's all kind of things going on behind the scenes that you have to be aware of. And uh, look, I make my share of mistakes daily. Yeah. Daily. Uh, and now with Brian's show, I'm trying to you know follow up Taylor. T- Taylor and Brian have a have a good connection together. They work well on on morning show. Uh, 
and when I came in, I told Brian, like, look, I don't want to deviate from anything you guys are doing. I want to keep that because you have a good thing going with it. So Taylor has this thing that actually I think Condon started when Condon was on there with this Brian. This day in history. Yeah, this day in history. So that's falling into my lap. So that's another <laughs> thing I have to prep for now is get there and find, you know, what happened in history, who, who was born, who died, what national day it is, finish that show, hurry up and eat lunch real quick, and then start getting things ready for Jay's show. Or, or it, while I'm doing that, also get ready if the governor has a press conference coming up at 2.30 so I can record that, have that for Brian, email that to him, make sure nothing starts while that's going on, like CBS News pops up out of nowhere. and Right. It's like I need 25 more arms to keep <laughs> doing things. So, But it's fun. I love it. I, yeah. it. It was something that I never trained to do. I kind of jumped, jumped in head first. Brian showed me a little bit when I first started working there. Uh, I learned a lot on uh, the morning show with with Bill and Kevin, and uh, I'm still learning more. But it's it's fun. Like I said, I, every day I get to go to work. I get to see my best friend, and I get we work with a great group of people. Everybody there is is so friendly and so willing to help out from IT to the salespeople to like, I mean, Michelle Southern is was was a great great just wealth of knowledge for me to lean on when I first got there who helped me out with so much. Abby Lee on 100.7 Tiger, Brittany Rose, uh, James Gilmore, who I mentioned, Brian, who I don't even know how Brian functions. How does he sleep? I don't, I don't understand. He, he is, he is one of the hardest working people there. And especially with everything that started with all the COVID stuff. I mean, the man was literally at the radio station seven days a week. Yeah. Just nonstop. And he gets there at like four in the morning or four thirty in the morning. And he's there until, Four in the afternoon. If he stays to do a segment with us on Mondays, which he does like news with us, he's there until like five. He's got to go home and he's got kids and he's got to deal with that. So, but it, it's cool and it's also fun to to work at a place where sometimes you see like you know some kind of famous sports people just walk around because of Matt Moscone's show. Like Ryan Clark just walks through the building. I'm like, I just saw that dude on Sports Center like 12 <laughs> hours ago. Here he is walking, and you can, and he's so cool. And you can ask him a question. He'll stop and talk to you for twenty minutes about, like, you know, right? What do you think LSU's gonna gonna do against Bama? And he's like, oh, we're gonna beat them, you know, like just start laying the break breaking down the game two weeks before it was coming last year. And it's just, you know, it's it's just a great environment. It's literally the the first job I've had where I'm excited about going to work. Like I'm happy when I walk in the building. I'm like, cool. I can't wait to see everybody. So. The producing side of it is just—I don't know if I even want to call that work. I mean, it's a lot of bells and whistles I have to keep keep oh, track yeah. of, but it's still so much fun. And if you see me in the little corner right there on the live feed, I'm goofing off a lot of the time. And uh, but we get good audience interaction on Facebook Live, and they seem to like you know have fun with what I'm trying to do. Fun stuff for break music, like right now we're doing bands uh, throughout the alphabet. So I'll, you know whatever letter of the day is I pick six bands and play songs from them. I get Jay to try to guess them, and get Jay's music knowledge is not that well. Yeah, I've, I've noticed. <laughs> I, 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 I've noticed. I'll tend to, I, try, I, I like to play deep cuts, but then I'll play some obvious stuff, and he still won't get it. And it's yeah. just like, he'll get lucky sometimes. Right. He, he got the Fallout Boy. He, he didn't want the Fallout Boy, yeah, but he got Fallout Boy. He got Fallout Boy, well, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, producing is fun. I'd like – I guess I'd – I'd like to add more stuff to that. Like I'd, uh, I'd like to add if we can update our video because I think our video could be better. If we can update that and throw that into the mix and 
I'll, I'll complain. I'm like, God, this is, this is too much stuff for me to do, but I want to do it because yeah. it's just fun because it's something else for me to learn, and I just have fun doing that. And I, I don't know. I, I just goes back to if you could find something you love doing, do it. I didn't realize yeah. I'd love being a producer on a radio show. Right. But I love doing it. I love almost being in control of everything. I mean, if I don't hear Jay talk, I can just shut him up. I'll just turn him off. <laughs> Nobody's going to hear please, him. Please do that one day. <laughs> Just be like, Jay, you know what? Off. I gotta You're cut. on mute. This is Chuck him. P coming in on the Jay Cody show. <laughs> I'm taking over for the day. I have taken over. There's been a couple of uh, couple of episodes where Jay was out of town or he took the day off or something, and I actually had to host the show and got guests in and stuff like that. But I still had to produce at the same time. Right. So I couldn't even get a producer in there. So come that, on, Brian. Yeah, Brian, come Gosh. on. Just stick around. You're only working, you know, 29 hours a day or whatever. Uh, that's baby talk, man. <laughs> baby talk. <laughs> Okay, so producing you, I mean, you have a lot going on with that as far as behind the boards. Because I yeah. know, especially from the radio show, I've seen you. I mean, you're like, you've got like a basically like a control module set up in front of you doing that stuff. It's like four monitors. Yeah. Yeah, four monitors, two on one side, and then I've got one here that is basically our new operation, operating system wide orbit, and then I've got the monitor up here for video that I'm watching and looking yeah. at, making sure all that's going well. So, yeah, it's in one, two, three, four mouses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I, I will confuse and grab the wrong one oh, a lot of times. And I, I imagine that's never fun because I know. I mean, you got you got your experience from doing the podcast that you came you came in with. Hey, I know how to basically make a radio or a podcast show go. Yes, but at the same time, there's a lot of new stuff to learn. I mean, I know with with this with this podcast, yeah, we're live on Facebook, and you know, yeah, people, you know, we've got one person watching us, probably my mom. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, this is a lot simpler. Because I'm recording this and then putting it out there. The, yeah. the Facebook is the only live feature of this. But with a radio show, you've got live video going to your Facebook stream. You've got live feed going to the radio. And like you said, you've got to work on timing. We yeah. don't have to cut in and out for breaks here. We yeah. just keep rolling just keep throughout rolling. the whole show, which is fantastic for podcasts. But when it comes to radio, you have to have those hard cuts and you have to have those deadlines. And it comes to that synergy between the producer and and the host, yeah. that they know, hey, we've got 15 seconds, you know, and 15 seconds, cut it, because we have to go to a hard stop. And I've seen, you know, some people where I'm listening to the radio, and they just get cut off. Yeah. And it's that synergy that's missing, where they're like, hey, we're going to get it down to the T, where you can get that, all right, and we're out. Yeah, it's tough. I've had, I've had to cut off Jay a couple times on our hard breaks. Uh, just because, like, sometimes uh, I think he just – He'll start talking about something and not realize, and even though I'm giving him a countdown, like we're almost out, we're almost out of time. Right. And he'll get caught up then trying to figure out how to get out of it. So I've just got to cut him, and I'm like, "Sorry, dude." And he's like, "No, no, that's okay. It's, uh, that was on me." Uh, and then we're also we're so used to like when we do my ABV podcast. It's a podcast. We're not on radio. If we want to drop an f bomb or two, it's okay. Yeah. We can't do that <laughs> on live radio. Yeah, live that's radio has to be very. Cautious. Yeah, so we have to, you know, there's been a there's been a few times where I've almost said, you know, something, and I've got to catch myself. And Jay, I think Jay has done that a couple times as well, or maybe he did say something once, and it just he said it in a way that you couldn't really, maybe the audience didn't hear it, but I kind of heard it, and we kind of looked at each other at the same time. So and it's you're uh, like, hey, careful. Yeah, like watch <laughs> it. So yeah, that that's another thing you got to be mindful of, and you got to let your guests know when your guests are calling or they're coming in. It's like. Anything I can or can't say, yeah, don't curse. Like, don't, like, just don't drop any f bombs. Right. This is family friendly. We're not. We can't control the airwaves. Exactly. And who listens to the show? Yeah. With, you know, <laughs> at least, at least with the podcast, we can say, hey, it's explicit. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Fair warning. This show is like when I when I post my videos to YouTube, it's like, is this made for kids? And I'm like, no, it's not made for kids. No. Not because that there's anything in there that you know per se would would be terrible, but at the same time, I don't want anything to come back on me. Yeah. I mean, someone might be offended that we're sitting here drinking a beer. That's right. But I'm sponsored just, by Michelob Ultra. Yeah, you yeah. Know? But like somebody is going to be offended right. by that. You know, the the smallest things. So that's why when we started airing the ABV podcast on Talk. When Brian said, I want to put the podcast on this, all right, cool. So when I started going to breweries and doing the podcast, I looked like I would tell them, look, we're going to do two episodes. We're going to do one, one-hour episode. We're just going to keep it simple. And then we're going to do another hour. That's going to be the podcast. You can say whatever the hell you want. Yeah. And everybody's like, all right, cool, let's do it. And it always worked out because everyone's pretty sober for that first hour. <laughs> so everybody's real everybody's, well, mindful. Everybody's like, mindful right. of it. But by the end of it, everybody's ready to go. <laughs> so we start my podcast, and they're like, ah! everybody, you know, just dropping anything they want to say, and it's great. So right. that makes, you know, for good listening as well. Yeah. I wonder if there will ever be a point in time in radio where you can maybe come in on breaks or coming in before the show starts saying, hey, this, is, this radio show is intended for mature audiences only. Because they do that for television. Yeah. Television, they do it. I wonder if there's a way we can make that happen for radio. If it's like, hey, you know, the whole premise of the show is not terrible for kids, but there may be some times where we slip up or we start dropping some, some curse words that may not be appropriate for, you know, your 18-month-old. I think it you could probably do that if you were doing it maybe as a late-night show, like a midnight show, or maybe even after 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. Because... I, when I told Brian about the podcast before I started making sure I had a clean version and then the regular version, not that we cursed a lot in the previous episodes, but every now and then somebody would drop an F-bomb or say something. It happens. I mean, we we specifically, uh, my friend Ross, who started the podcast with me, we have episodes that we do that are called, can you curse on it? Can I say it? You go for it. Okay. It's called The Shit Show. And The Shit Show is basically for us to drink whatever beers we want without technically promoting anybody, and say yeah. whatever we want. Right. It's your show. You do what you want. Yeah. So we saved those for that, and then with when we were had guests on or we were at a brewery, we kind of kept it you know, as, as clean as possible, but every now and then someone would say something. But it was easy enough for me to go back in there and bleep that out. Right. Because Brian was like, if you can bleep it, fine. If, it, if it's not a whole hour of bleeps, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's 9 o'clock on a Saturday night. I'm like, yeah, that's... I get that, but there's also FCC stuff, and I don't want to get anything sent to the radio station because my stupid podcast, and I forgot to bleep, you know, shit. Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what with the name of the show being that, you yeah, know, it's, exactly. it's kind of hard to say that. Hey, well, welcome to the show. Well, make sure not to have those on air. There's, right. There's, it literally would be an hour of, bleep, of bleeping. <laughs> so sometimes the, the gems are the gems can be the good stuff can be found in there once you hide all the bleeps. Now they're normally a hot mess. <laughs> They're a shit show for a reason. <laughs> that, that, that's right. So starting to kind of wrap up the episode. Yeah. Um, Baton Rouge, you've you've been here. You know, your your ex wife moved away to out of Baton Rouge with the kid. Uh, she, she's she's actually she's in. We're both in Gonzales. Okay, so you're in Gonzales. Yeah. But you work in Baton Rouge. Yeah. What what about Baton? What's two things about Baton Rouge that you like? I like the passion of people that truly care about Baton Rouge. That will go out of the way to promote this city regardless of how a lot of people just, especially outside of Baton Rouge, Lafayette, New Orleans, look at Baton Rouge as just like a dumpster fire sometimes. And like, yeah, we can be. Yeah, and, we, and we can be. But 
we can also come together and and show you the best of us. Right. And there's been times where we've done that, and it's been great, and it's been awesome, and it's it's good to be a part of. I I like the fact that there's a lot of people that embrace the changes that Baton Rouge is, is going through, the construction with Government Street, you know, providing those bike lanes for people and stuff like that. Uh, I love that, and just the a lot of people don't give the food scene here enough credit. Yes. Like, we're an amalgamation of so so many different styles here, but I think that's what makes us unique, that we're that amalgamation, that we're surrounded by Lafayette and New Orleans who have their own styles. We can kind of take both of those and play with them and have Baton Rouge's own style. And we do – we have great restaurants. We have great chefs. Unfortunately, they're all struggling right now because of what's going on. And hopefully – I know a lot of them won't be coming back, but hopefully most of them can – and I know that when they do, the, the people here that, that truly love Baton Rouge will support them and raise them up and, and make sure those people are still here. So I just, it's, it's weird. Growing up, I always looked at Baton Rouge like it was New York because it was over this bridge, and like it just seemed magical as a kid. We'd come here on the weekends, and we'd go to McDonald's, and we'd go to the mall, and it's like, this is amazing. Like, this is crazy. And then once moving here, I was like, it still kind of was amazing that, like, hey, I'm living in Baton Rouge now. Like, this is cool. Got these new friends, and we're doing cool stuff. And all my old friends are looking, are now looking at Baton Rouge like, oh, we can't go over there. we got to cross a bridge to go over there. Like, yeah. there's crime in Baton Rouge. There's crime everywhere. Right. There's, I mean, you can't escape that. I just, uh, I don't know, man. I just, I just like, I like living here. I mean, even though I'm not living here right now, if I could, if I could afford it, I'd love to move back here. I'd love to buy a house and, and just be a part of this community and support everything that, you know, we're doing here to make Baton Rouge a better place. Yeah. I love that, man. It's we're we're getting there day by day. Yeah. It's it's a it's you know, it's a it's a uh, what's the it's a sprint not a race or was it a race? It's a, it's a marathon not on a sprint. sprint. That's it. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, it's just going to take time and everybody's yeah. got to, you know, be patient and be willing to work together and come together. And that's the the hardest part is the patient part. Yes. Everybody wants it to happen overnight. They want the change to happen overnight. They want everything to blow up overnight and be great and successful and everything. But it's good things take time. Yeah. You know, and when you put in the time and you build something, it can become that gym that you want it to so long as you put in that time and effort. Yep. You have it's, to put the passion. Yeah. As much passion as you have for, for, for that thing, you have to put it in into it and make it work and make it grow. Yeah. If you you lack the passion, you lack the time, you're something's gonna fall short somewhere. Yeah. And when it does fall short, people notice <laughs> very quickly, and it will let you know oh, that yes. they noticed. And you never hear the end of it. No, huh? Social never. media. <laughs> Gotta love it. That's a whole that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what are you? You've done a lot in your your career so far, and you've you've avoided that cubicle space job. What are what are a couple lessons that you've gathered along the way? in this process thus far? Uh, trust yourself. Like, I when I was younger, I second-guessed guessed myself a lot. Like, I was in situations where maybe I was just too nervous or just too scared or just didn't know enough about it. And, and those ended up being some regrets that I had on opportunities missed. Right. 
And I've, the one thing I've, I've, I've learned over the years is, like, you have to trust yourself and believe that you're making the right choice. And understand that it's not going to be perfect and it's not going to be something that's just handed to you. You're going to have to work for it. But if it's something you believe in and you have, you feel that, that butterfly feeling in your gut, then I think that means you're on the right path to where you want to be. Uh Good, good loyal friends are hard to come by. Yep. I have a, I have a, I have a group of friends who I, it, I used to have a large group of friends, and over the years they've, it's they've wandered off or I've wandered off. Either I noticed I didn't want to be in that scene, or that person just didn't was a little bit too toxic for me, and it just wasn't where I wanted to be. But when you find those friends, hold on to them. Keep them around you because it may not seem like they're going to give you shit. They're going to give you a hard time. But when you need them there, those are those are the true friends that you're going to count on to be there for you, and they will be. I tell my son that all the time. He's got a great core group of friends right now, even in high school. And I said, dude, hold on to that group, man. You've got a good group of kids there. Like they will. He, he broke his arm playing soccer and literally – for the next few weeks, they were waiting on. They would come to his house after school and wait on him hand and foot, and like bring him food and do and like take him where he needed to go and stuff. I'm like, not a lot of people are gonna do that for you, dude. When you get yeah. older, but if you have this core group of friends and you stay loyal to them, and you be honest with them and be there for them when you when they need you, they can stay with you for the rest of your life. I mean, I have friends who I thought when I was younger they were gonna they were gonna be my best friends forever. I haven't seen them. 30 years. I haven't seen them since, since I left high school. So I think if trusting yourself and just find a good core group of people that you know you can believe in. I love that, man. That's no truer words have been spoken when it comes to friends and just understanding who your friend who your real friends are and really saying taking the time to be like, "All right, are they there for me and I for them or are they there for some other alternative yes. motive?" And cuz you can when you take the time and you reflect on that, you can read through it. You can figure out who is actually there to truly be your friend. And you can also realize who is there to just get something out of you. Yeah, for sure. Or get something out of the situation that y'all are in. Yeah. And then knowing yourself 100%. You can't do anything well if you don't know who you are as a person. No. Also, don't loan family members money. <laughs> that never works out. Never. A little, little, little ring, little ringer in there. I love it. Yeah, last one in there. Yeah. Okay. So, the final question for you is: What can I do to help you? What can you, Patty G, do to help me? Yeah. Just be my friend. <laughs> I'm in. There you go. Just, we'll drink, drink, drink beers beer. with me. That's it. I mean, hell, I'm here in your podcast, man. I appreciate being here. This has been awesome. Dude, thank you for coming. This has been great. I'm I'm uh I'm glad you asked me to come. This has been a fun time. Absolutely. We made it through COVID. We did. <laughs> we're still there. We're fighting it. We're fighting it. At least we're in person. Yes, we're, we're in person. We're back to being in person. Baby steps, man. Just patience. We're back to patience. I'll I'll take whatever I can get. Now we just gotta deal with hurricane season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We 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 made we made it through two months of isolation. We can make it through hurricane season. 
Yeah, I mean the exterior just what, might be a little more damaged. Well, yeah, well, the problem with making it through hurricane season is you want to get together and have hurricane parties. This, this is true. This is true. back to that Louisiana culture. The Baton Rouge. Yes, we love to party. We love to be around together with uh, we people. Will, we will out party any state in the nation. We will out drink football stadiums. Good, will we? Out <laughs> drink hotels, cities, whatever you got. Oh, I love it, man. Well, thank you, Chuck, for coming on the show. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you, sir. And I appreciate everybody else for tuning in. Yes. Whether you are listening or you're watching, thank you very much. I know we've been at this for quite some time, and I hope you drank along with us. If not, that's okay, too. So I'm here with Chuck P., producer, podcaster, drummer, just the all-around extraordinaire that he is. And also check out him producing on the Jada Cody Show and co-hosting. I'm going to throw the co-hosting in there. Yeah, man, do that. Co-hosting with the Jada Cody Show on Talk 107.3, 4 to 6 p.m., Monday through Friday, every every week. So tune in if you're in Baton Rouge. If you're not in Baton Rouge, tune into the Facebook Talk 107.3 page and check them out. And also check out the Patty G Show on whatever platform that you find us on and share the show, share the podcast, and do what you can to make your community a better place. So I'm Patty G, signing off for the Patty G Show here with Chuck P. Y'all have a great evening. Thanks. Peace. I'm a simple-